Years ago, there was a comic strip that went something like this. A man is on the phone, and all you hear is his side of the conversation. You don't hear the other person speaking. And he says, yes, mother, I've had a hard day. Anna has been most difficult today. I know I ought to be more firm, but it is hard. Well, you know how she is. Yes, I remember you warned me. I remember you told me she was a vile creature and that she would make my life miserable if I married her, and you begged me not to. You were absolutely right. You want to talk to her? Okay, just a minute. And he looks up to, from his phone and he says to his wife, Anna, your mother wants to talk to you. None of us like to be criticized, but it really hurts when it's someone in your family. Paul saw this happening in his family, in the church. The church was growing fast. Some of the believers had been Jews, but many of them had been Gentiles. Just like in a marriage, each new person coming into the church came into the church family, the Christian family, with their own traditions, with their own beliefs, their own values, with their own preferences for how they like to do things. Sometimes Paul found himself having to play referee. Some of the new believers will, were still very attached to the Jewish Sabbath. Others really believed that all days were holy and that one day shouldn't be lifted up as any holy any more holy than the others. Some of them fasted. Others said there was no need for fasting. Some were meat eaters. Some were vegetarians. There were many, many disagreements in the early church because of people coming in from various backgrounds and from various beliefs. But worse than that, sometimes these disagreements became personal. And people were passing judgment on other people because they didn't follow the same customs or believe the same things that they did. The church was becoming divided. So Paul had to do something about this. He had to say something because he wanted them to knock it off. Enough was enough. The church was big enough and is still big enough for all kinds of people and all kinds of opinions. The important thing is that whatever they believed, their lives were to give glory to God. That's why we're here. We can learn from this disagreement and this conflict that happened in the early church. Passing judgment on others is still a problem in the church today. One pastor in Virginia talked about a man who confronted him after church one day he said, Preacher, I have two complaints about you. The pastor said, Okay, what are they? Well, first of all, when I was chairman of the Building and Grounds Committee, you tried to tell me how to do my job all the time. You should just let church leaders do their job the way that they want to do it. He said, Okay, what's your other complaint with me? He said, Well, I don't like the hymns that the song leader picks out. I wish you would tell him to pick more of the old hymns. You see how he just contradicted himself? Talk about a mixed message. He wanted the pastor not to tell people like him how they should lead, but he wanted but yet he wanted him to the pastor to tell the song leader which hymns he should choose.
My people are, are just amazing. And it really is part of my life. I do get opposite requests pretty often around here, believe it or not. Maybe we should change our answering machine, I thought one day, in the church. Like the one that was in a store that I read about. It went like this. When, you, when it answered the phone, it said, If you're calling to place an order, please press 3. If you're calling to register a complaint, please press 567-296-0473-20573. Have a good day. Of course, I'm exaggerating. And we don't get a lot of complaints. 99% of church people are kind, gracious, supportive people. But we're human beings, and sometimes we say words, and sometimes those words really hurt. A cartoon strip showed a man approaching the pastor after the service saying, Reverend, I want you to know that was not one of your better sermons. And the pastor said, well... Bill, I want, to, I want to thank you for your constructive criticism. I appreciate it very much. And then in the next frame, you see the pastor walk into his office, closes the door, and he falls on his knees and he just cries out, Oh, can never get it right. There are days, when, there, there have been days where I've felt like that was probably the worst sermon I preached and then someone will come up to me and say, tell me that it really spoke to them, and vice versa. It happens that way. But I have not yet had anybody come and say, ah, that wasn't your best sermon, or said anything critical about my sermons. All you do when I preach a bad sermon is you just don't say anything. And I appreciate that very much. But lately, everybody's been keeping their mouth shut every week, so I'm getting a little concerned. I haven't heard any feedback in weeks, so maybe I reached my peak and now I'm going downhill, I don't know. But I want you to know that I am really usually not that sensitive like that pastor that went into his office and screamed. What I want to get across is the damage that can sometimes be done in the church because we don't think about what we're saying. And I don't mean to the pastor, I mean to anyone. We, th we don't think about insensitive comments that we make to each other, speaking about another person. It gets back to them, causes hard feelings. You know, comments like, I hope you don't mind if I'm honest with you. You know that's going to be an insult. Yeah. Or how about, please don't get mad at me for what I'm about to say. Probably going to get mad. Or, here's my favorite. This is one that I catch around here every once in a while. You know, some people, some people are saying that, and then whatever the complaint might be. And then when I pursue with that person who these people are, they refuse to identify them. Interesting conversation. But this isn't a problem that is just in the church. There are families where members do terrible things. Family members do terrible things to one another. Don't we know that? Just by a nasty comment. There's a saying in the Navy, the captain bites his tongue until it bleeds. And it actually refers to the first time when a, a, a ship's captain watches and allows the junior officer who is learning 
to bring the ship into the dock for the very first time. He bites his tongue until it bleeds, doesn't tell him how to do it, just observes. We need to pray for the strength sometimes to bite our tongues. Maybe not till it bleeds, but just not to say some of the things we say. Unless we can offer encouragement, unless we can offer support, whether it's our children, our spouse, our people in, other people in church, at work, or wherever you might go during the week. Let me suggest this morning a couple of questions that we might ask before we pass judgment on someone else. First of all, do we know all of the facts? This is a good question to ask when you're tempted to criticize someone. Jerry Simmons, who is a pastor in Houston, Texas, talked about attending an afternoon college football game. And he took his family with him, and after the game, they stopped at a McDonald's. And he said, when backing out of his parking space, another car hit him and did some damage to his, uh, for the front end of his vehicle. He said there was very little damage, and after exchanging their insurance information with the other driver, they started their four-hour trip home. And as they did, after about an hour or so, it got dark. So it became necessary to turn headlights on. He turned the lights on only to realize that only his brights would work. His dim lights did not work. This was on a narrow, winding, two-lane highway that he had to take all the way home. But they had to get home. And so he drove all the way home for these couple of hours with his bright lights on. And he said the reaction of other drivers as he approached them from the other direction was interesting. Some drivers would honk their horns. Others would turn on their bright lights and leave them on. Some even swerved into his lane and flipped him off, he said. He had no way to communicate to these people that he couldn't help it. Without the bright lights, he would have no light. His lights were stuck. He wanted to scream out the window, I can't do anything about it. He later thought, as he was sitting at home later that evening, he thought, there, you know, this kind of compares to some people in church. There are some people in church, just like their car, this, this car, with their lights stuck on bright. They're loud, they're glaring. They don't really think about what they're saying. Kind of obnoxious at times. They only say hurtful things about other people. But at that point in time, they really might be doing it for a reason. They really can't help it because they're not really in control of themselves at that point. Others in the church, he said, need to understand and minister them to them rather than trying to run them off the road or flip them off or trying to outbright them. Some people just have their lights stuck on high beam for a little while and they can't help it. It would make all the difference in the world if we knew all the facts. I've been there. We've all been there. We're having a really lousy day, right? And the phone rings. And someone calls, with one, calls and has one of these kind of comments I talked about earlier. You know, Pastor, I really want to be honest with you uh, about your sermon Sunday. 
And my reaction might not be the best at that point because I'm having a crappy day anyway. Things haven't gone well and uh, some things have happened that have gotten me upset. And so I react however I might react. Now, does that make me a bad person? No. But you see, it might make you think, you know what, I think maybe all this time, I've been thinking he was an all right guy, but eh, I don't know. He just got pretty nasty with me. Well, it might be that you don't know all the facts. Maybe you don't know that I spent three or four hours with a family who had just lost a loved one. And it was a really tough three or four hours. Maybe you don't know that I've been present when that family member passed away and it was a painful, difficult death. Maybe you don't know what was going on all that, the rest of that day. You don't get all the facts. I'm using myself as an example because it's easy, the easiest uh, for me to do, but you can apply it to yourself too. Father Michael Mulvaney, who was a speaker and a counselor on self-esteem, traveled a long way at his own expense, he said, one day to do a talk with a high school group. And that day the group was restless. The kids weren't paying much attention. One small group way in the back, there was a girl who was so rude, he thought, because she turned her back on him and her little group, she was talking to them. And went on with these conversations while he was speaking. Finally, this kind and good but very tired and frustrated priest singled out the girl in the back and, she, and he said to her, Look, I've traveled a long way at my own expense to be with you today. I deserve to be treated with some respect. You can at least give me the courtesy to turn around and look at me as I'm speaking. You have no right to be so rude. The girl was very embarrassed. She was very upset. With tears of shame in her eyes, she said, Father, I'm so sorry, but these are our deaf students, and I am translating what you're saying for them. As you can imagine, Father Mulvaney wanted the a floor to open up, the floor to open up, and for him to drop down and disappear. He was embarrassed. He didn't know all the facts. Sometimes if we knew all the facts, we wouldn't make that judgment that we've made. It would make a difference. In 1963, after running a picture of, a new, of all the new United States senators who were taking the oath of office, one local newspaper got a critical and sarcastic letter and in this letter, the writer complained, hmm, the senator from Hawaii doesn't know his right hand from his left hand. It seems that Senator Inouye of Hawaii took the oath with his left hand raised and not his right one raised. But there was something that the picture in the newspaper didn't show. And that was that after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Dan Inouye joined the army. He went to fight in Italy and he won the Distinguished Service Cross, the Bronze Star, the Purple Heart with the Cluster. And when he took the oath of office as a senator, he did it with his left hand raised instead of his right because he had lost his right arm in service to his country. So he had no right arm to raise. We could save ourselves a lot of embarrassment 
if we knew all the facts before we criticize someone else, couldn't we? That's the first question. Do we know all the facts? Here's the second. Have you and I ever done anything to earn the right to pass judgment on another human being? When we're tempted to criticize someone else's work in the church, first ask yourself, am I doing everything that I can to serve? Comedian Danny Kaye often did shows at the Palladium in London when he was a young comedian, and he drew standing room-only crowds. But he loved to go out in the afternoons when he wasn't working to matinees. And one day he went to a matinee that wasn't doing so well. It was a play. And as the play was letting out, he overheard three British Army officers discussing the play. The first one said, ghastly. The second one said, beastly. And the third one didn't say a word. One of the others turned to him and said, what's your opinion of the play, Colonel? The Colonel explained that he had come on a pass And he said, hardly my place to speak under the circumstances, but a few gentlemen will excuse me. And then with that, he went to the box office a few feet away, and he bought a ticket. He was back in a moment, and he said, a stinker. Gentlemen, it was a stinker, a real stinker. I like his approach. Until he bought a ticket, he felt that he was in no position to criticize. When you are tempted to complain about what kind of parent someone else is, first ask yourself, am I the perfect parent? If we put our criticism to that kind of a test, most of us will be quiet. We're all sinners saved by grace. Do you know all the facts? Have you earned the right to pass judgment on another person? There's a little story that comes from the Islamic religion that sums up the right attitude toward our tendency to pass judgment on other people. There was an old man who earned his living by selling all sorts of odds and ends. It seemed like the old man had no judgment because people would often pay him in fake coins and he would accept them without arguing with them. Or people would say that they had paid him and they hadn't actually paid him. And he would say, okay, go ahead and take the merchandise. And when it was time for him to die, he raised his eyes to heaven and he said these words, O Allah, I have accepted many bad coins from people, but never once did I judge them in my heart. I just assumed that they were not aware of what they did. I am a bad coin too. Please do not judge me. And a voice was heard How is it possible to judge someone who has not judged others? Do you know all the facts? Have you earned the right to judge other people? I think, and I think that most of you believe, that there's only one who ever earned that right to judge other people. He did it on the cross 2,000 years ago. And since, there's been no one else. And the amazing thing is that he never judged. He was always tolerant and loving to people, no matter who they were, 
what station in life they came from. He loved them all, passed judgment on none of them, accepted everyone. And he's the only man, the only human that ever lived who did that. Let's not criticize. Let's leave that criticizing and that judgment up to the only one who qualifies. Amen.